Uh, let me tell you about uh, Home Title Lock. We, uh, we know home title theft is a big problem. We've been talking about it for a while. Cyber thieves remove your uh, home's title. They're able to put their name on it. They say they're the owner. Uh, you want to get a home title lock because, well, you know, this stuff happens all the time. I mean, there's a new hack every single day, it seems like. Uh, there's a big breach that happened on Facebook. 500 million accounts were exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cybercrime expert, everything thieves need to take over uh, as the new uh, owner of your home was leaked. Talking about name, address, personal information. You know, it's probably out there somewhere. Uh, thief can forge your signature on a deed uh, stating that you sold your home to them. And, you know, they'll leave you in debt and you could even be evicted from your home. Don't let this happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, and see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 risk-free days of protection during this high-risk uh, risk breach that's going on now. Use the code RADIO. Uh, HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code is RADIO. HomeTitleLock.com. Code is RADIO. on Fridays we have Bill O'Reilly on but uh, Bill is the author of the most successful historic series in the history of America I believe sold about 100,000 copies in the last five days it is another one of his killing books this one's killing the mob and it's fantastic Bill's here to talk about it we go to him in 60 seconds the Glenn Beck program let me give you something positive to think about. Buying or selling a home is a hassle. If you're about to do either one of them, it, you, it might feel like there's a huge mountain of responsibility resting on your shoulders. It could cost you big time. Here's the good news. You could get a great agent, and it's not hard to do. How do you even interview real estate agents? I didn't know the answer to that. Uh, that's one of the things I, I questioned about five or six years ago. Before I started this company, I was working with um, the 500 best real estate agents in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. I was doing work with them, and I, I was uh, about to buy and sell a house, and I had had trouble before. And I'm like, how do I, how do I even find a good real estate agent? How do you, what, I mean, what do you look for? And I got the lowdown, and I know exactly what to look for. So we started a company that would do that for you and then offer our recommendation for free. So all you have to do is go to realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're looking for the person that has a great track record in your area, most times it's the best track record. Uh, they are uh, good at getting the best deal for you, either on the buying or the selling uh, side, have great customer service uh, scores, and we watch them like a hawk. They don't work for us. We just we just make sure that they always fall in line with all of the parameters that we have set up that we say these are the best practices. These are the things that will get your home sold fast and for the most amount of money. Real estate agents. I dot com. That's how you find them. Real estate agents. I trust dot com. Alcatraz Penitentiary. 9.45 a.m. 
Al Capone has let his guard down. It's shortly after breakfast as the man nicknamed Scarface works his shift, mopping the prison shower room. It's a guy who once wore expensive suits and diamonds, but now displays the standard Alcatraz uniform of a blue chambray shirt, trousers, belt, and shoes. Capone is 37. He's the former head of a notorious Chicago crime syndicate that earned profits of more than $100 million annually. That's about $18 billion in modern currency. He lived without fear of arrest. He paid off the judges, police, and politicians to ensure his freedom. And while he was once the most feared mob boss in America, reputed to have killed more than 30 human beings, he's now just another inmate in this escape-proof prison on a windy island in the middle of San Francisco Bay. Capone knows he has enemies here at Alcatraz. He has a reputation among the inmates for seeking special treatment from the warden. The warden is James Johnston, who has famously declared that his prisoners are entitled to food, clothing, shelter, and medical attention. Anything else you get is a privilege. It's known as rule number five in the inmate regulation handbook. It's the reason Warden Johnston constantly denies Capone's favors. But that doesn't stop Capone from trying. In one instance, he attempts to avoid the wait at a prison barbershop. Get to the back of the line, you bum, says a fellow inmate, James Lucas, a 22-year-old Texan known as a chronic hothead. Do you know who I am, punk? Snarls Capone. Lucas grabs a pair of barber shears and presses the blade into Capone's jugular. Yeah, I know who you are, greaseball, and if you don't get to the back of the line... I'm going to know who you were. That's just the beginning of chapter five of Bill O'Reilly's new book called Killing the Mob. And Bill joins us now. Hi, Bill. How are you? Excellent read, Beck. Very good. Uh, I was riveted. I wrote it and I was riveted when you were reading it. (laughs) Thank you very much. Tell the rest of the story because it's fascinating. He leaves the barbershop and what happens to him? Well, he gets beat up. And uh, the guy who put the shears to his neck um, is after him, and um, he meets him, meets him in the shower with a razor yeah. and slices yeah. him pretty badly. And then Capone, that's it for his life. He deteriorates physically and mentally, um, gets out of Alcatraz, goes to Miami and dies in his early 40s, which is uh, justice because what a horrible, horrible human being he is. But the reason that we've uh, highlighted Capone in Killing the Mob is he's the template for organized crime today. So what he did was he elevated, we opened with uh, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, all those people, but he elevated criminality to an organized level in Chicago, and as you pointed out, took over everything. I mean, he bought mm-hmm. the governor and the mayor, and, and you know, he can do whatever he wanted to do. Um, and then once that was successful and the money, as you pointed out, billions of dollars in uh, bootleg alcohol in today's prices, um, once that was proven to be successful, then that's how the organized crime then grew in that template 
to organize, to come into cities, New York, Chicago, L.A., Philadelphia, Boston, buy up everybody, bribe everybody, and take over the rackets. Uh, prohibition was repealed. Then they went in heavy to gambling, extortion, prostitution, vice, and the unions. So that's that's how it all evolved. And Al Capone, what? a famous name, but boy, what a awful, terrible human being. What? Um, uh, why did Elliot Ness go in? If anybody saw the movie The Untouchables, uh, it's just a great movie with Sean Connery and uh, Kevin Costner. Um, right. But it's it's clear that in Chicago, everybody has been paid off. Why was it that Hoover didn't go after and use the FBI to go after these guys? Um, Hoover took over the FBI in the 30s uh, and assassinated, literally, the FBI assassinated all the bank robbers. And it wasn't like, come out with your hands up. It was... The FBI catches you, they can pull a bullet right between your eyes. And that's what happened to all of them, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd, Babyface Nelson. Um, Hoover was in charge of that. But then when it came to the Italian mobsters, Jaeger Hoover would not investigate, would not put the FBI on their trail. Lucky Luciano, the first godfather in New York, his private papers say, and we have them, uh, they mob had something on Hoover, but doesn't say what. Now, everybody knew Jagger Hoover loved the ponies. He was a gambler, and he was gay. And so I do believe that the mob had something on Hoover, and that's why he didn't investigate. So with Al Capone so out of control, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt knew that and was embarrassed that the federal government couldn't control this guy. So he sent in a Treasury Department, that's Elliot Ness, that's the untouchables, and they got Capone on income tax evasion. Ironic- Which was not the, was that the plan originally? The movie well, shows want, that that's... The order to Elliot Ness was get him on anything you can get him on. Okay. Get him on anything. All right. I mean, so the guy files an income tax. Capone files his income tax because he made three thousand dollars a year, and he's riding <laughs> around in the best. You know, come on. Right. So, yeah. and that's what the that's what the drug people do today. But here, here's the ironic part about all this. So uh, Capone goes down, and then there's a TV show, The Untouchables. That was. Do you remember that back, or were you too young for that? Oh, I do. I do. I do okay. remember. I remember so it in Robert reruns back. But- Robert Stack yep. plays Elliot Ness, and that's the Kevin mm-hmm. Costner part in the movie. All right, so it's the same thing. The Untouchables go after Elliot, uh, go after Al Capone, they get him, and then the series is all Italian bad gangsters. Well, the real gangster, the Godfather of Chicago, Sam Giancana, did not like that TV show in the fifties. The producer of the show was Desi Arnaz. Lucy, I love mm. Lucy. He produced it. All right. So Giancana hand-delivers a letter to Desionez, says, hey, knock off the Italians, make the bad guys other ethnicities. Whereupon, Desionez writes a wise guy note back to same Giancana, saying, what do you want me to make them, Jews? That day, Giancana takes a contract out on Desionez and hires the assassin. We have it all in Killing the Mob. And I'm not going to tell you any more because I want people to read the book, but Desi Arnaz came with this close to having a bullet in the back of his head. I mean, Desi Arnaz, how powerful it, the mob was. Yeah. And Desi Arnaz was a very powerful person in television. Most people just think of him as, you know, 
Lucy's husband on I Love Lucy. He was the secret behind Lucille Ball's success. Uh, he, I mean, it was he and Lucy through uh, Desi Lou that did Star Trek and The Untouchables and a million other shows uh, that people know. Uh, and it, and it went thought, well. Yeah. Go ahead. Arnez thought that he was that he was invulnerable because he was so powerful, as you point out. Correct. But what Correct. what Arnez did not know was that the mob controlled much of Hollywood through a guy named Sidney Korshak, who was not a mobster. He was a lawyer. And the movies that you uh, that we all saw in the fifties and sixties, a lot of the TV shows, they were all paying organized crime money to produce the shows because the organized crime controlled all the unions, the cameramen, the lighting, the sound, and they could shut down a production in ten minutes, and nobody knew it. Americans didn't know that wow. the mob was controlling the film industry, and the mob could walk in and say. We want you to put this guy in that part, and we're going to take 15% of your gross. They did it all the time. So is who are the ones that really clean this up? You had Elliot Ness. What happened to him after Capone? He committed suicide uh-huh. in Pennsylvania. Do, do, we, do we believe it was suicide? Yeah. Yeah, he... And, um, that was the apex of his career, and then he retired um, and just didn't have a very good life and took his own life. Wow. Gosh, that's um, sad. And the, then who was the... the turning, who, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, the, I guess I can think of three names. I can think of Elliot Ness, I can think of RFK, and I can think of Rudy Giuliani as the three yeah. guys that just were relentless. Were there more? No, because it it had to be very, very uh, centralized. Uh, organized crime was so powerful in this country between 1946 and 62. They controlled everything. The and unions, is that because of the unions? Yeah. And that yeah. was the base. The power base was the unions. To this day, organized crime in New York, where I am, controls many of the unions. Mm-hmm. And I have a thing in the United States of Trump where Trump and I are t- uh, discussing, if you want to build a building in New York, you've got to deal with the mob now, today, this very moment. Oh, yeah. And we name all the names and all that. Bobby Kennedy is the hero of the book because Bobby Kennedy came in as attorney general, defied his own father, who had mob ties, Joseph Kennedy. His brother was kind of Punch's pilot, agnostic about it. And Bobby Kennedy went after the mob with a ferocity never before seen at the federal level and did them huge damage. And then what he did led to Rudy Giuliani and the RICO statutes and new federal laws. And Giuliani hurt the mob bad in New York as a U.S. attorney in the Southern District. Hang on just a second. Um, let's let's pick it up at RFK here when we come back. We're talking to Bill O'Reilly about his new book. It is out today. You can get a copy wherever. Uh, it is wildly successful already. A hundred thousand copies in uh, in five days, leading up to the release of the book. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, Killing the Mob. More in just a second. Let me tell you about AMAC. Our greatest strength as Americans and as people lie in the bonds that we form with individuals and organizations around us. We rise above things that life throws at us by standing with others like ourselves, drawing strength from one another. 
That's why I'm proud to tell you about AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's a membership group for people aged 50 and older, uh, and it's now over 2 million members strong, and it's growing. Now, it has all of the, you know, discounts and and travel stuff and everything else you might need that you would get from uh, another uh, senior group. However... The positives only start at the level of their benefits. They also have a full-time presence in Washington. They've been pushing for years against the left's agenda. These are small government guys. They, they stand for things that you stand for, courage, faith, reason. And they provide a wealth of benefits, but they don't stop there. They fight for you. They fight for all of us. They fight for our rights enshrined by the Bill of Rights. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash back. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash back. AMAC, it's better. Better for you. Better for America. 10 seconds, station ID. We're with Bill O'Reilly. His new book is out today. It's called Killing the Mob. Bill, the uh, uh, the Kennedys, we know that uh, Joseph Kennedy was a bootlegger and involved with the mob. We know that the mob in Chicago was involved with uh, funny business, if you will, on the election of 1960 that got John Kennedy into office. Um, and we also know that he hung out with all the people that you would associate in popular culture, Frank Sinatra, et cetera, with the mob. Um, why was his brother uh, so anti-mob when the family had benefited from the mob and and Jack was kind of living up the life with possibly the mob, at least in my opinion, uh, you would know best. Um, excellent questions. Let's just start from the beginning. Joseph Kennedy, the patriarch of the Kennedy family, was a powerful man. He was the U.S. ambassador to London before World War II. And this was a very powerful, powerful person. He didn't bootleg. He didn't actually, he wasn't in the Capone business. But he did have and hold um, contracts to distribute wine for communion, holy communion. Okay? (laughs) He was the one during Prohibition, that supplied the wine to the tens of thousands of Catholic churches in America. And you can imagine how lucrative that oh, yeah. contract was. So oh, that's, yeah. how the, that's how it got into he was a bootlegger. He was not. He was a shrewd businessman, all right? He also uh, was a big Hollywood guy, running around with all the uh, stars like Gloria Swanson and things like that. So he really he it, really wanted to be president himself, but he kind of screwed that up when he was the ambassador of London, right? Yes, he was pro yeah. not pro Nazi, but he was soft on him. Yeah. So anyway, Joseph Kennedy and Sam Giancana, the godfather of Chicago, were friends. They would dine out in public. Kennedy went down to the Fountain Blue to see Giancana, who owned a piece of that hotel in Miami Beach. Um, so the deal, as you accurately said, was that Giancana would deliver Illinois 
to JFK in the 1960 election, which she and Connor did. Richard Nixon knew it was a fraud, but Nixon never said a word, which leads to speculation about what they had on Nixon. Anyway, mm. um, when, when JFK was elected president, the mob celebrated. They, right. they were so happy. Because now, now we have the presidency. Now we run it. Okay. So, Kennedy appoints his brother, Bobby, as attorney general, and Bobby goes after the mob with a ferocity never before seen in this country. Why did he do it? His father was pounding him. JFK didn't like it. He goes, Bobby, can you just pull back a little? Bobby says, no, I'm going after Hoffa. I'm going after Giancana. I'm going after everybody. Where okay. did this come from? I, my opinion uh-huh. from, of, of Bobby Kennedy is he was the only really good Kennedy that was actually trying. He believed in something, and, and he was fighting for the right. What else is the answer besides that? Well, he was driven. Bobby Kennedy was driven. So I spent some time with Robert Kennedy Jr. Because I asked the same question that you asked, and I had no answer. And we don't, DeGard and I don't depend on what other people have written. That's why these killing books are so successful. It's all fresh material. So Bobby Kennedy Jr. told me in a roundabout way, not in a direct way, that his father felt slighted by his grandfather. Because his grandfather clearly favored Joe Kennedy, who was killed in World War II, and the president, mm-hmm. JFK. Mm-hmm where Bobby was kind of the outlier along with Teddy. Teddy was considered kind of the dunderhead of the crew. Bobby was smart, but he, wasn't, he, he didn't get a lot of attention. So the theory, and I believe it, is this was a little payback to Dad from Bobby. <laughs> That's quite the payback. Quite the payback. Uh, well, so- you, have to understand, you have to understand one thing. That Bobby Kennedy went in hating corruption, all right? He, ju- it just, he just couldn't abide it. And there was so much corruption. But what Bobby didn't know is that Sam Giancana's mistress, Judith Exner, was also his brother's mistress, JFK. That fouled everything up. All right, we're going to get everything. into that here in just in a second. More with Bill O'Reilly. The name of the book is Killing the Mob. It's the latest in his series. Now the best-selling series of history books uh, ever. Bill O'Reilly, Killing the Mob. More next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So if you take food even half as seriously as I do, it's time for you to look into getting a Rectech. I want you to imagine right now for a moment. This is going to be hard for me to describe to you because my mouth is already watering. Chicken quarters slathered in barbecue sauce, cooked to absolute perfection so it's juicy still inside. The gorgeous grill marks across the service, the tender, juicy ribeye, the thick pat of butter melting across of it while you're roasting ears of corn that are seasoned and buttered and wrapped in foil. Oh my gosh, summer is here. Get a Rectech. This is the, the smart grill technology that ensures the entire cooking process from start to finish stays even and regular. And everything that I have cooked in this 
comes out unbelievably delicious. Go follow Rectech on social media. Sign up for their newsletter. The reason why is because they give you great recipes. Also, it's Rectech with a Q, R-E-C-T-E-Q. Find out why Rectech is the best out there. It's Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. Rectech dot com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, of course, this program, as well as Stu Does America. And don't forget to subscribe at BillOReilly.com. More with him next. We're with Bill O'Reilly. His new book is out today, Killing the Mob. I highly recommend and urge you to buy it. It's a great read. Really great read. Bill, um... We were talking about RFK and him going after the mob. Uh, Is this the closest we have come since the 1930s of actually ridding ourselves of the mob? I mean, how much did he reduce it? Uh, About 50%. He caused the mob to basically um, restructure how it does business. And remind me to tell you uh, why the mob loves Joe Biden. Uh, before we mm-hmm. depart. Okay. okay. So, okay, so so he reduced it by 50%. Yeah. How did he do it, and why wasn't he killed by the mob? Okay, so um, by exposing Jimmy Hoffa as a mob stooge and showing how organized crime used the billions of dollars in union pension funds to build Las Vegas and do other criminal activities, the secrecy of organized crime was exposed. Soon after that, Congress passed new laws called the RICO laws, which made it easier for the federal government to spy on the mob. For example, John Gotti, the last of the flamboyant dons, hung out in the Bergen Fish and Hunt Club in Queens. Well, the mob wired that place picked up all the conversations with Gotti and his mob friends, and Gotti wound up in an Illinois federal penitentiary where he died. You mean the FBI that, wired the place? Yeah. Yes. the Fed. Well, mm-hmm. it was under the direction of the U.S. attorney in New York, so it could have been somebody else, but we yeah. assume it was the FBI. But anyway, that all happened because Bobby Kennedy exposed the evil that was consuming America driven by... Organized crime. And remember, before 1958, when the mob controlled Cuba, they bought Batista, the dictator there, and they were building Las Vegas. Bugsy Siegel, the Flamingo Hotel, was the first one. Before that, the mob didn't do narcotics. All right. But Vito Genovese, probably the most evil human being ever to walk the ground in the United States, he was able to force the families to go up against Luciano, lucky Luciano, the first godfather, and then they started the narcotics traffic, which has led to millions of deaths and ruined lives in the United States. Why do you say he okay. was the most evil? I mean, you're, you're, you are, I mean, you're in a quite, quite, quite the evil company. How do you That's become... Right. I mean, you got to really go. I mean, it's like evaluating the Nazis. Who was the worst? Right. All right? Right. I did that in killing the SS. But Vito Genovese, he was the, the uh, driver of the mob taking over the narcotics traffic. And to mm-hmm. this day, 
80% of the drugs sold in the United States come from organized crime. And, and the opioid stuff and all that, that's, that's the mob. So anyway, um, Bobby Kennedy's exposure of Hoffa, and we take you through Hoffa's assassination minute by minute. I think that's the first time it's ever been done. Um, basically made to put the pressure on a federal government to go after organized crime. But there has not been one president that has really devoted time to this issue. Not one. But the favorite president of organized crime of all time is Joe Biden. You want to know why? (laughs) I do know why, but go ahead. All right, Beck. So in 107 days, since Biden has dropped all of the Trump border policies, 400,000 plus foreign nationals have come to the United States. 400,000 people many of them children. That means the Border Patrol and all the feds down there have to tend to those people, feed them, house them, process them, put them on buses wherever they want to go. What has suffered is drug interdiction. They've stripped that, and they're using that to process the migrants. So at this time in history, as we are talking on Tuesday, the 11th of May, more narcotics are in the United States of America than ever before. And the mob controls the distribution of drugs all over the country. They don't sell them anymore on the street. That doesn't happen. They franchise that out to the gangs. And the gangs are the ones committing all the homicides in Chicago, New York, L.A., you're a town near you. Those drug gangs are who's killing to everybody. The mob does not sell the drugs. It allows those people to do it in return for a massive payment every month to whatever family is controlling that area. They love Biden because Biden has a clueless, has no idea this is happening. And we did a search on BillOReilly.com. I have very good investigators to try to find one article, one report that has told the American people what I just told you, Beck. There has not been one. Not one. And that's just stunning. Anyway, Biden carried the mob, I think, 80 to 20 or right in the last election. So, <laughs> so wait, so wait. <laughs> but they also, are they still as deeply involved in the labor unions as they were uh, because he has revitalized the labor unions and has made all kinds of promises. Are they still in the business of labor unions? Depends where you are. So in the United States of Trump, I've got a chapter where Donald Trump tells me, as a builder in New York, he dealt directly with organized crime because he, if he didn't, he couldn't get his buildings put up because the concrete Correct. union is controlled by the mob out of Staten Island. Right. And Trump was very candid about it. He goes, I have those guys in my office, and then you know, we make the deal, and that's, that's who, who does it. So it depends who you, where you are, okay? Mm-hmm. But the labor unions traditionally have allowed gangsters, mobsters, to dip into the pension funds, get loans that are, of course, interest-free, to finance whatever activity the mob wants to finance. That's what Hoffa did. One one last question before we go, Bill. Um, I know you covered this in you know, killing JFK, but why did the mob 
uh, were they involved at all? I mean, the the rumors are always been well, you know, Kennedy and the uh, Kennedy was killed by the Cubans and the mob. Uh, it was, uh, you know, RFK, uh, you know, that was a setup by the mob. It makes sense because of, you know, cutting into their business by 50%. Were they involved at all? No, because it doesn't make sense from a business point of view. So if you read Killing Kennedy, that is what happened to JFK. You want to know what happened? Read Killing Kennedy. We document the whole thing. Now, mm-hmm. The mob wanted to kill JFK and RFK. They wanted to assassinate them. But the family dons, the guys in charge, knew if they ordered the hit, it would get out. And then what would happen? Then the full weight of the federal government would be war, almost like a declared war on organized crime. Their business would be wiped off the face of the earth. So they did not do it in either a case, in either assassination. What they did do, Beck, is have Lee Harvey Oswald assassinated. And we write about that in Killing the Mob. So Jack Ruby was a low-level mobster in Dallas, the Carousel Club. Okay? Mm-hmm. He had terminal cancer. He knew he was going to die in a month. He killed Lee Harvey Oswald. There has never been a reason stated, okay? Why did Ruby do that? Some people say, oh, he loved JFK so much, he just wanted revenge. That's bull, all right? Ruby walked into a well-guarded, well-secured courthouse Mm -hmm. and pulled his gun and shot him from 10 feet away. He did it because Oswald was signaling that he was a patsy. Remember that? I'm a patsy. Okay, Oswald said that, and when he was walking, and the cameras picked it up. What Marcello in New Orleans, who was really running Ruby, he was the godfather of New Orleans, Carlos Marcello. Okay, what he feared was that Oswald was going to blame the assassination on him and organized crime. Oswald was going to say, they paid me to do it. They made me do it. And that's why Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald. And that's the first time that that's ever been put out there. We have it in Killing the Mob. We run it down, and that's what happened. I do have one more question. I know I said it was going to be the last question. I do have one more question. This this is the most fun you've had in months. uh, No, it's just easy. Um, Here's the the question. You know, Bonnie and Clyde, they were, by the way, because I'm a Texan Uh now, I know this. Bonnie and Clyde were killed by the the uh, Rangers, uh, not the FBI. But yeah, um, no, 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 no. The FBI provided all the intel. Okay, it was the Rangers that killed him. Anyway, um, when you have back back in those days, some of these guys were beloved some of them were not but there's always been this love hate relationship uh and uh you know kind of this robin hood kind of thing or romanticizing of of all of this and then when the fbi comes and there's no trial for any of these they just shoot them all they assassinate for america right for americans to live with that 
shows that Americans had had enough. So what is the truth there? Were we romanticizing them just for a while and then we were sick of it or what happened? Okay. Uh, what do I have? Two minutes? Yes. Okay. Less than. Americans hated the banks. Depression, banks are throwing uh, people out of their homes, foreclosing on farms, hated them. Bank robbers come in. The folks were helping the bank robbers. The press got onto it, made the bank robbers Robin Hood, just like they did with Jesse James and Billy the Kid. Same thing. Mm -hmm. That sells mm -hmm. papers, okay? Fast mm -hmm. forward to modern times. The Godfather, Bonnie and Clyde the movie, Beatty and Dunaway, The Sopranos, all of that. These actors are so powerful, so brilliant, so good, that even though they're doing bad things in the movies and TV shows, they're sympathetic figures. Killing the mob tells you the facts about it. All of these people, Bonnie and Clyde, were the worst. They horrible, would put a horrible. bullet between a child's eyes yeah. if that child was inhibiting whatever they wanted to do. All right, And that is the value of Killing the Mob, the book. It's the truth for 300 pages about how the, one of the most evil institutions ever created existed and to this day exists and hurts this country. Uh, Killing the Mob. I will tell you that it is a book you're not going to have an easy time putting down. It's really well written. It is, I mean, especially if you're a guy. I mean, if you're a guy, mob and Nazis, I could watch documentaries and read books about them forever. Uh, this is uh, this is really well done. Bill O'Reilly, thank you. We'll talk to you Friday. All right, Beck. Thanks for having me, and I really appreciate it. You bet. So I have to tell you, uh, earlier this, uh, this broadcast, we talked a little bit about the uh, transitory hyperinflation uh, and what is being done on all fronts. It is really something that I hope I am wrong. I hope that the Federal Reserve is right, that this is a transitory uh, hyperinflation. This is going to go away quickly. Uh -huh. I don't think I am. Uh, and if you've listened to the program uh, lately, I don't think you think I'm wrong either. The dollar is in serious trouble. And if you are not prepared when the hammer come down, you can lose a lot, not just through inflation. But when we switch over to another currency, let's say we have digital U.S. dollars, they're going to offer you. They're not going to give you one to one. They're going to offer you an amount of money for whatever you have in the bank and whatever you have in dollars. And then after that, they say those dollars are worthless. Get something of intrinsic value, and that is gold. Goldline is offering their special on graded Liberty $5 coins. These are the ones that I buy. Authenticated for weight and purity by an independent grading agency, so you know they're not counterfeit coins from overseas. Just call Goldline and find out about their special. It's a limited-time offer on this product. They are waiting to hear from you now. Please take steps to secure you and your family. Go to goldline.com or call them. They're great people. They're waiting for you at 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Tomorrow night on Glenn TV. Calls to defund the police have led to officers being ambushed and killed. While crime is spiking in record numbers all over the country, critical race theory has infected our schools, media, and major government institutions, making racial discrimination acceptable in America again. Glenn reveals where this is all leading and shows how Marxism follows the same violent pattern every single time. Watch Revolution on the Rise, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern at blazetv.com slash Glenn.
Back program. We need to restore the natural order of things. I don't want to live in a world where liberals are the uptight ones and conservatives do drugs and get laid. Once upon a time, the right were the ones offended by everything. They were the party of speech codes and blacklists and moral panics and demanding some TV show had to go. Well, now that's us. We're the fun suckers now. We suck the fun out of everything. Halloween, the Oscars, childhood, Twitter, comedy. It's like woke kids on campus decided to be all the worst parts of a Southern Baptist. <laughs> And that's wrong, because it's cultural appropriation. <laughs> if Democrats had always policed morality as hard as they do now, they would be down a lot of heroes. Hmm. Bill Maher, who is seemingly one of the only people on the left calling out the crazy woke nonsense coming from the Democrats and the left right now. And one of the points he makes there is really important. It's not only wrong, it's not only oftentimes racist and all this nonsense that goes along with wokeism. It also makes for a really boring world. A world where you can never say anything and no one is entertaining and no one is interesting because they're all bland, woke dullards. And that might be the biggest offense of them all. 